All right, good morning, everyone. Oh, there we go. A couple of y'all are awake. Uh, let's try that one more time. Good morning, everybody. Woo, yeah. Okay, I just got to check to make sure y'all are awake. So if you're sleeping afterwards, I know how good my preaching was or wasn't, you know. No, just kidding. Uh, kind of. <clears throat> so um, this morning, we're going to be starting a series um, walking through the book of Revelation, not the whole book, but the first, well, chapter, chapters primarily two and three, which are known as the letters to the churches. And these are letters that are actually written from Jesus himself to the seven churches uh, at the time. And what I love about these is, you know, I talk about this in different circumstances and different scenarios, but when you talk to enough people, you realize that everybody, everybody has an opinion and their opinion is always right, <laughs> right? And everybody will say, or many people will say, well, you know, God is this way or God is that way. Well, Jesus, you know, he really desires for us to do this or Jesus just wants us to be like this. And, and everybody has an opinion, um, but not all of those opinions have a basis, and so what I really love is, is places like this where we get to see the words of Jesus speaking directly to his church and saying, this is what I desire. This is what I affirm. And this is what I am not pleased with. Then we don't need opinion. We don't need debate. We can just look and see um, who Christ is and how he wants us to worship him. And we can simply conform our hearts and our minds to that. And at that point, if you're still arguing, you ain't arguing with me. And my life is much better. So <laughs> not, that I, not that I foresee any arguing, but. Um, so this morning, we're gonna be reading about what my, the heading of my Bible, which is, you know, a translator edition is called the, the Loveless Church. I don't really know how much I like that description, but, well, you know, I'm not even going to get into that. Okay, anyways, the loveless church, it's going to, it starts in chapter two, but we're going to start in chapter one, verse nine, and we're going to read kind of through the, the introduction or the preface of these letters. So starting in Revelation chapter one, if I can get there, starting, oh, thank you, thank you. I, was, I went right after Genesis, it wasn't there. Uh, it says, uh, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, 
as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Uh, And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write these things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Let's pause and pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters gathered here together uh, with me. And Lord, we just humble our hearts. We humble uh, our minds, everything of who we are just before your throne, Lord. And we ask that as we read these letters, Jesus, that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds to receive your truth, to receive correction, to receive encouragement, Father, and to walk in all of your ways. So Father, we ask that you would bless us, teach us, be here with us, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Amen. The letter to the church of Ephesus. You know, like I said, it, I don't know that the loveless church is a, is a good title. Because this is not a church lacking love. In fact, when we look at this letter, we see the things that they're being um, encouraged, the things that they're being approved for, and it's their works. It's their labor. It's that they were steadfast, that they were patient, that they've persevered, and they have not become weary. All these things done for Jesus And we have to understand that if someone is is living such a life and if if Christ himself is affirming them, where do those works come from? Where does a life that Jesus is pleased with come from? Where does perseverance and not growing weary while doing good, where does that come from? It can only be founded in the love of God. However, you know, our flesh is real tricky 
Satan is real, real tricky. And many times we can start well and along the path, just take one step off course, one step off course, one step off course until finally we're out in the dry wilderness, we're in the desert, we're hot, we're thirsty, you know what I mean? We've got nothing left to give and we're worn out. And a lot of times we don't even realize how we got there. And there has to be a balance in our life as Christians between labor and love. Labor and love. And before we really get into this, just to illustrate this point, I want to talk to you a couple years ago, more than a couple years ago, it's been a while. I remember I was just in this point where I just felt, I just felt kind of dry, you know, like I was spinning my wheels, I was going to church, obviously, I mean, I kind of have to show up to church, but uh, (laughs) I was going to church, I was preaching, I was doing Bible studies, I was praying, I was reading, I was doing all of these things, and for some reason, I still just felt dry, and I didn't know why. Anybody ever felt like that? Just dry? Yeah. And then suddenly I get a phone call from a friend of mine and he's talking about, oh, brother, you know, all these things happened and this happened and Jesus did this and I just saw this and, and all the, and I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. And I'm thanking God with them and I'm praying with them and just, man, so thankful for you, brother. And we get off the phone and I gotta be honest, my heart was like, well, dang, well, what about me? <laughs> what, do you, what, what about me? And I just had this moment where I was, not jealous of him or envious of him or anything, but just thinking like, man, that's what it looks like. That's what it sounds like when the Lord is moving. And I haven't been able to call someone and have a conversation like that in a while. And I just remember, Lord, what do you want me to do? What am I doing? And I remember I was, actually, I was actually getting ready for the day when I got that phone call. So I was jumping in the shower and I was spending, get, getting my prayer time in. And um, as I was praying and I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, what's going on here? I felt the Lord speak to me very clearly. And he just said, do the things you did before. That's all he said. Do the things you did before. And he didn't have to say anything else because I knew exactly what he meant. Was I, pray- was I reading in the morning? Sure. Was I praying every day? Yeah, sure. Was I leading Bible studies? Sure. But was I really finding time to set, a- set-, set aside, to sanctify myself in this truth? Was I really finding time to dedicate to intimacy with Christ, to just hear his voice and do his will. And even with all of those things going on, the real answer was no. I wasn't. A lot of that time was out of, I don't want to say habit, but really it's just, okay, I got to read today. Okay, I read a little today. Okay, I got to pray today. I've prayed a little bit. Okay, I got to do Bible study over here. I got to prepare. But to just really get into his word, not for a purpose, but to just know him. To just experience his presence, I was lacking some of that. And not only that, but even though I was reading, doing all these works, part of what Jesus called us to do is to step out and to be a witness. And also, I knew because I was becoming complacent, even in my works, 
that those two things were missing. Those two things were missing. And so I, I got it. He told me that. And as soon as I was, I think I was still in the towel. I don't think I was dressed yet. And I just dropped down on my bed and I began to cry out to the Lord. And I began to just pray and praise him with just the fullness of my heart. Just the fullness of my heart. And I decided that day I was going to fast and just get a reset to my spirit. Right? And I think it was later on that, it was either that same day or the next day, I was out with somebody, I had a little discipleship meeting, we were meeting at a coffee shop, and long story short, for the first time in a while, I was talking to this guy, and suddenly there was someone behind me asking me a question about what cologne I wear, which I don't even wear cologne, but, and the Lord just began to speak to me about this gentleman, I've never met this guy, never seen this guy. And so I, finally, he's on the phone. I walk outside and I begin to tell him the things that the Lord told me about him and told him the reason these things are happening is because the Lord wants to know you. He wants you to know him. And I begin to share the gospel from that format. And he gave his life to the Lord right there. And you know what happened after that? I went home and I had no trouble praying. I had no trouble praising I had no trouble finding intimacy with the Lord because I was so filled with joy at what he had just done in this person's life. It wasn't about me, it was about him and service to him and seeing his love affect someone. I was so blessed by that, so filled with joy and I was so concerned for this man's welfare because this is a man who was just passing through. I was not gonna be able to disciple him. He wasn't gonna come to church. I wasn't gonna have a relationship with him. He was here and he was gone and I was so genuinely concerned that the love of God was pouring out of me and I couldn't help but pray. I couldn't help but praise. I couldn't help but seek him. And I realized there were things in my life that were just unbalanced And I was missing it even in all of that work. And I believe the church of Ephesus was very similar. Jesus says, I know your works. And it's not a rebuke. He's saying they're good. I see them. I see that you're being faithful. I see that you're laboring. I see that you're not idle. Blessed are you, right? I see your works, I see your labor, and I see your patience. That you're willing to wait on me. That you hold fast to who I am. And I see that you cannot bear those who are evil. These things are pleasing to me. Not only that, but you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. You have persevered and have had patience and have labored for my namesake and not become weary. And so we know that in the book of James, he tells us faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. We can only love because he first loved us, that there is a mingling between, between what we believe and what we do that will show if we truly have faith, if we truly have faith. And he's saying, I see your faith, I see your works, and in this you do well. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. 
It's very interesting. What does that even mean, that you've left your first love? And, and in some sense, we might be able to look at this and say, well, how is that even possible? How can it be that he's rebuking them that, that they've left their first love and yet they're still in these works, right? And I think about marriage. Marriage is such a beautiful tool to, to teach you the gospel. It's such a, a beautiful witness for the gospel if we do it right. Why don't you sit down and wait for a second? No, you're going to sit down and wait for a second. Marriage is such a beautiful thing, and I think about the relationship between a man and a wife, and I think about what it would be like. Go sit down. Go sit down. No, no, go sit down. Uh, what it would be like if I came home every day to my wife, and I said, or she said, oh, baby, you know, this and this and that. She was trying to, and I, and I just walked past her. No, 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 it's okay. And I went and sat down, and I spent the rest of the time on my phone. And she tried to talk to me, and I said, oh, you know, later. And I played video games. She came and tried to talk to me. Oh, well, you know, Sunday. And I went, talked to my friends. How long do you think that would go on before my wife was really hurt? really upset how long do you think that would go on between our relationship was severely strained not real long (laughs) and what if she came to me one day and said baby I just I miss you I don't understand you don't want to talk to me you don't want to have a relationship with me I just don't feel like things are right and you know all these things and I said hey whoa hold up I go to work every day I pay the bills right I take out the trash, I spank the kids, I wash your car, okay? You got clothes on, I've done all these things for you. <laughs> Vincent's waiting for the part that's, that's wrong, he doesn't get it. Uh, I've done all these things for you. What's the matter? Is there anybody in this room that doesn't see how that's not love? just because we work, just because we do, just because we provide. We can do all those things and I can love my wife and say, yeah, I love my wife. I can do all those things and completely miss, completely come away from my first love with her. That place where maybe at first we wanted to be together just to be together. In fact, I remember when Courtney and I were dating and she lived in Medina, so she'd come into town and I'd get in her little weird white station wagon and we would drive up to uh, Singing Wind Park and we would sit in the parking lot and we would just talk. And we would spend an hour or however long and we would just talk. And it was just like ecstatic, just to have that time, just to hear each other out, just to be together. We didn't have to be doing anything. She wasn't asking for anything. I wasn't offering anything. That's a lie. I spent like all my money on her. But, um, you know, those things, those things didn't matter in that moment. It was enough just to be with her. And there was this love and there was this connection. There was this relationship that we were cultivating that was enough. It was that love and that relationship that was cultivating that that led us to be married, to have children, and so on and so forth, and here we are today. 
And she, in such a situation, if I started to be like that, she could come and she could say, baby, I know you love me, but really, I feel like you've left our love. And then a lot of times in our relationship with Jesus, we can get in that same trap where we do, we go, we show up, we attend, we speak, we give. And Jesus says, but where have you been? But I've called and you haven't answered. I've waited and you didn't show. Then all the relationships you had, the one who hears you the least is me. Now, Jesus didn't discount their works. He didn't despise their labor. In fact, he said, I, these are good. Continue in them, but come back to me. And then he says in verse five, remember therefore where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And just like me, Saying, Lord, what, you know, I, I haven't been in that place where I've really seen you move and just all these things. Lord, I want to be there uh, again. And he spoke to me and said, do the things you did before. And there's a very clear pattern here. And what does that look like to go back to the heart of the Father? What does it look like to go back, draw near to that love that first called us forth in Jesus Christ? to take our eyes off those things that distract us and be reunited with him in purity. It's very simple. He says, remember, repent, and do. Remember, repent, and do. And I didn't even realize it at the time, but that was exactly the format that he placed on me. And I remembered the times when the Lord was moving powerfully. I remember the times when he was speaking through me. I remember the times where I was staying up late just to read his word, not because I was preparing for Sunday, but just because I wanted to know him. I was remembering those times where I was full and not dry. And I remembered the, the things and the situations of my heart that led to that, that cultivated that, if you will. And I got on my knees and I repented and I said, Lord, I'm sorry, please help me, please fill me, please take me back, not back to that place, but Lord, back to that place and then forward to more. Because I don't believe the Lord wants us just to go back to things that were. I think he wants to establish the things that were and then make them greater and draw us forward and lift us upward. And one of my, one of, one of my prayers is, Lord, if ever the opportunity to speak, if ever the opportunity to, to, to preach or to sing your praises, Lord, lift me up. Give me the opportunity. Put me on the platform, not so that I'm lifted up, but that so when I'm up and I hold your cross, it's higher for everyone to see. Because the scriptures say that when the son of man is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. And I just remembered what, what it was the lifestyle that I was living that brought me so close to the Lord. And I cried out for his help and I immediately began to cut off those things that were distracting me and I immediately began to push in to those things I once did and to chase after his heart. And immediately that day or the day after, whatever it was, he began to show up, he began to move, he began to show me the fruits of that relationship. 
and feeling his presence and being able to partner with him just stirred my love up all the more. And I believe actually um, for, for many of us that this particular letter to this particular church may be very fitting. That the Lord knows your heart. He knows you're faithful. He sees that you've persevered and you have not fallen away. He sees that you've held fast, that those things he hates, you hate. The deeds of the Nicolaitans, which seem to be that the preaching of, of freedom, even to, to immorality without consequence. He says, these things I hate and you also hate. But maybe somebody, some, some of the people in this room have just gotten dry and they've fallen away from that pure intimacy with their first love. So I wanna challenge you to remember what did your life look like? What were your habits? What was, where was your heart when you really felt the Lord moving in your life? When you were hearing his voice, when you were passionate for his word? Remember and then repent. What are the things that are getting in the way of that? I know most of my, most of my uh, spiritual life is looking at all the things that I've set up as a wall between me and the Lord and then just kicking them down, kicking them down, kicking them down. Because man, I do it all the time. It's so easy. Oh, he's on the other side of the wall. It's fine. No, Jesus died to tear that, the veil, to tear down the wall of separation. And we so often build it back up. Remember those things, repent, and begin to do those things again. Begin to pursue him. Because he says, remember therefore, repent and do, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Verse seven, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to, to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. As we come to a close, I wanna, I wanna just touch on this one sub subject real quick. What does it mean that God will come and remove your lampstand? What does that mean? First of all, it's important that, to, to note that he's talking to the church. He's talking to a body of people. So he's not saying that we all have an individual lampstand and he's gonna take it from, no. He's saying, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna take that lampstand from your group. What does that mean? And Pastor Mark can correct me uh, if I'm wrong, but, <laughs> but I believe that what he's talking about there is that lampstand, it's the witness. It's the testimony. It's the effectiveness of the gospel in our lives. And we take that so much for granted. We really, really do. You know, I've, I've ministered in ways that were very fruitful and I've ministered in ways that really weren't. Okay, and I'll tell you what, the one thing that really, um, that really sucks, I don't know how else to say that, uh, that's really unpleasant is when you do all these big, great things for the Lord and you spin your wheels and you put in all this effort and it comes to nothing. That is not a pleasant experience, right? And we can take for granted that 
You know, the scriptures say that we can sow, we can plow, we can water, but only God gives the increase. Only God moving through us can lead people to repentance, can lead people to salvation, can make things happen. And apart from him, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So abide in me and I will abide in you. Me and my father will make our home in you and you will bear fruit and your fruit will remain. And I believe that, that um, you, if you've ever heard of a dead church, dead church has very little to do with numbers, although there may be a correlation there sometimes. A dead church is one where they just have cut themselves off from the leading of the spirit. They've totally quenched themselves, being led by God. There's no gospel going out. There's no people coming in. The Holy Spirit isn't speaking through them to each other and it becomes lifeless. And their ability, their testimony, their witness snuffs out. And Jesus is saying, repent, remember, repent and do those things again. Come back to your first love. And I believe you will even shine brighter. You will shine brighter. And the world will see Christ in us when we allow ourselves first to just be filled. Amen. Well, let's, uh, let's pray today and let's just ask the Lord to reveal to our hearts areas where we have not been faithful to seek him, areas where we've been complacent, areas where we can draw near to him and just experience his love in a new way. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for this morning to be encouraged and reminded, Father, of who you are, of what your desire is for us, Father. That we're not saved or justified by our works, Lord, but by your grace. And Father, though you desire for us to move, you desire for us to work, you desire for us to abound in these things, Lord, first you want our heart. And so, Jesus, I just pray that you would show us, each one of us, those areas where we've struggled, those places that we forsook, and pray that you reveal to us how we've, even in our labors, we've moved in the flesh and we've forgotten the joy of your salvation, to just know and to be known, to just be in your presence. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to push deeper into your presence, to seek you more. For your word says we will seek you and we will find you when we seek you with our whole heart. So bless us and help us, Lord, that we might be vibrant and shine brightly for your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.